Roxana, heiress to the Vampire Slayer throne, has performance anxiety. She's supposed to kill Elias, but so far she's only succeeded in maxing out his credit card. Now her failure to stake the brooding vampire has sent her back to Moscow in disgrace to face her mother's wrath. Expecting punishment by death, she's given a rare reprieve. She now has three tasks to complete, the last of which is to finally kill Elias. She will not fail this time. If only the memories of one magical evening, back when Elias was human, would stop holding her back. He claims to have forgotten that night. Why can't she? Three years ago, Elias was a SWAT team member on a guy's weekend in Vegas. Playing poker and minding his own business, his life changed forever when a captivating blonde strolled past his table in a light-up bra. He followed Roxana as if compelled, his very bones demanding he do so, his soul resonating with the belief she would be important to him always. That turned out to be a vast understatement, and nothing has changed. Roxana embarks on her mission, determined to win back her mother's approval. But when an astonishing truth emerges in the 11th hour, will her stake pierce the very heart that beats in her honor? Or will love triumph over duty? This Time Tomorrow is a standalone vampire romance and is available now at all retailers. Download today! Hey, lady listeners. Hey, what's hey. up, Lady DJs? What's up? So when you text and said, you were like, I'm going to be like an hour late, Mel and I were just like, what kind of sex is she having this week? (laughs) 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 Because last week you were a little delayed because of that. And I was just like, an hour? Wow. If you ask any of like my friends that like maybe live near me or that I meet on a regular basis in Uh real life, like um, I'm always early. Like I am 10 minutes early everything and so it's actually crazy to me that I'm just it's not like me at all I think it's (laughs) what it so today's Mackenzie's last day of school Mm -hmm. and she's also started virtual diabetes camp as of Monday yeah so there's like nine zooms per day yeah it's insane so you know it, it basically leaves us an hour to do anything useful just trying to shuffle her between these things um, but she, so yeah, how is it doing a, a virtual diabetes camp? Is, is this something that, that we regret signing up for? No. Um, I mean, I wish she was at the real camp. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because, obviously you know, <laughs> that, really, that's yeah. first pick. And she probably wished she was too, but it's, you know, it, it, it really is just the visual of seeing other kids with, mm-hmm. with insulin pumps and, um, glucose monitors like seeing them and talking to other kids about like okay everybody hold up your your um where you give yourself insulin from and hold up your number and like oh that's kind of cool that they make it about that yeah yeah they don't like I think they just kind of slide it in Mm -hmm. so that it's not so in their face Mm -hmm. because really it's not all about diabetes yeah yeah other stuff but it's cool they're doing like dance parties and yoga and cooking and um oh that's so cute yeah, it has been really, it's been really good, and I, I don't know, she's, she's getting something out of it, so it's important. It was your birthday this week, how was it? It was great, although I don't want to lead with that, because I want to lead with, lead with the dumb thing I did, 
because I told Mel before we got on, I was like, I have something really stupid that I did, but I need to admit it because I was like, if Mel can admit that she drove away from a gas pump with the gas pump still in her car, then I can admit to this and just sort of like own up to how stupid I am. So, you know, I'm kind of addicted to Animal Crossing. And so um, yesterday I had breached my word count. Like I did all my stuff. Like, you know, we had dinner and everything. Kevin put the kids to bed. And I was like, I'm going to take a bath and I'm going to play Animal Crossing. And I dropped my fucking switch in the tub. I saw that coming. Is it ruined? I put it in rice overnight and it works. It's, like, back on, and the screen's fine and everything, but some of, like, the joystick stuff is kind of funky. But, like, it's, like, my character moves when I don't push it forward. Like, if I'm not touching the controls, it moves a little bit. And, like, one of the buttons, like, you have to hold it down to, like, go fast, and, like, that's not working. And then, like, I can't, like, tilt up to, like, look at anything up, which is important in this game because you have to like pop balloons in the air and to get presents and stuff. And I can't do that. And I'm just like, I'm so fucking mad at myself. Did you do this yesterday? Yes. I, I did it last my, night. I dropped my phone and shattered the screen yesterday. Oh shit. Okay. That's yeah, way more important. I must have important. had some bad. No, I, I can still see things, but it's that pretty. sucks. My husband's like, see, hey, see, that's what I've happens. washed. <laughs> that's what happens when you take off the cover. I've washed my hearing aid. <laughs> Sorry, you did go what? Ahead. I said, I've washed my hearing aids. Oh, God. And I've got in the shower with them on. And these are like $5,000. Oh, fuck Wait, no. yesterday you did this? No, just over the past, oh, like, Okay, you win. Are you happy? You win. Shower. All right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying, don't feel bad. It can be a lot Well, you work. know what, though? You know what else happened But week? I have insurance on my well, hearing aids. Well, and I hear... Well, that's true. So they have to I don't have them. insurance on my Switch. And my phone's waterproof. So, like, I just didn't even think about taking it in the tub. I didn't even pause to think I might drop this in the water. Like, I have a bath tray... And I had it sitting on that, but like I was holding it and I picked it up and my friend texted me because we were talking about the game. I was on her island and my friend Kristen was like, hey, do you want to catalog this? And I picked up my phone to answer her and I had the switch in my other hand and it just slipped out and it fell on like my stomach. So the whole thing didn't like submerge. It just got like water on it. It just for like half of it maybe like went under for like that and I pulled it back out and I shook it off and it came back on and it was okay, but... It went off again, and then I was just like, oh, fuck, because, like, now it's having these little glitches. I'm hoping that maybe if it dries out another day or two, maybe it won't be so bad, but the other thing that happened this week was my daughter has my old cell phone, and it doesn't have, like, um, a plan or anything. She just uses it for Wi-Fi around the house, so, like, she can play games or whatever, or she can hotspot my phone when we go places and play, like, Pokemon Go and stuff like that, and she has it just to use for that without service. And so she had it this week and she had taken it to her YMCA is doing like day camps and she had gone and they get to bring in electronics. So she brought her phone. She put a fucking passcode on it and then couldn't remember it. (laughs) That is so classic. (laughs) So I was like, guess what? You're about to learn a really hard lesson. This fucker's locked out. I never hooked it up to iTunes. So I can't hook it up to iTunes to unlock it. It's I have to take it into an Apple store to get it unlocked. And I was like, do you know how long it's going to be before I'm going to go in a motherfucking Apple store? I was like, I was like, this is a hard lesson. You no longer have a phone. And I was like, and you've probably lost all your games on here too. And like, I didn't tell her that because she was already so upset. But I was like, I was like, this is just a hard lesson to learn. 
So um, did you try calling Apple? They might be able to help. I don't know. I, I I don't know how reliable that is. They are very. Yeah, I was gonna say, what would password. you do if if someone called and was like, "Hey, I have my phone. It's locked out. Can you unlock it for me?" Like, I mean, they might ask you to verify ninety five things that are on, yeah. on the account, but yeah. you know, like this can't. This happens like, all yeah. the time. Yeah. I know it has to have happened at some point. I know, but it's the fact that like I had never hooked it up to iTunes because normally you can unlock it by doing that. Like you can do a hard restart, but it won't do anything. It's bricked up. Coming from a parent who now has kids that yeah. are older, you just have to get a code that everybody has to yeah. use. My kids have to have the exact mm-hmm. same code. I can be able to pick up any phone in the house, any device, and it is this yeah. code. And if you change it, that device is yeah. now mine. Yeah. So that I can pick up anything and never have a problem getting into it. Because I've got to be able to. I agree. And like, we never had this code conversation because she's never had a code on anything. Like she didn't, I didn't even know she knew how to do this. But I guarantee you somebody at her camp was like, hey, do you know you should put a passcode on your phone? So she just did it. And then she couldn't remember what she made it. And she tried. Try one, two, three, four. Oh, I tried 40 different things to where now it's like, oh, go to an Apple store. I like she was panicking. She was like, well, maybe it was this or maybe it was this. And then maybe it was this pattern. And and then we got the wait five minutes, wait 10 minutes, wait one hour, wait two hours, wait five hours. And then it was just like, you're done. (laughs) I wonder like I wonder when you go into the Apple store or they eventually Mm -hmm. help you get the password. Yeah. Just ask them if what it was (laughs) because. (laughs) <laughs> that would be pretty funny. Right? Like, I, like, I wonder if dog. they can even determine that. I <laughs> know. It's like all sevens. Cats, 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 nine. <laughs> it's just emoticons. Yeah. <laughs> She's, she somehow figured out emojis on it. So, yeah. Okay. Um, guys, it's Ella Maven week here on Read Me Romance. We have some aliens in the mix. Um, she, She's capping off season seven, season six for season us. Season six. This is the last yes. episode of season six. Oh, that's right. Next week is a break week. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so she, yes, there is a um her series is called the Drixonian series. Um, she has a free book uh that is available through Book Funnel. So we're gonna be mailing you basically a free book that kicks off this Drixonian series. We'll mail it out to you in our newsletter. So if you haven't signed up for the Read Me Romance newsletter, Go to readmeromance.com and do that. You're going to want to get a free book this week. So, Mm -hmm. and um, also you're going to want to do it now because we we're going to remind you again when it's Alexa Raleigh's week. But in order to get a bonus epilogue, you're going to have to be signed up for the newsletter because Alexa Raleigh is going to send part of our book that we have. Yeah, I I know. In season seven, we're going to send part of it. You guys are going to want that. Oh my God, it was so good. It was a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, just make sure you're signed up for um, our newsletter so you can get all that good stuff. So she, yeah, so I kind of misspoke. The name of her series is The Drixonian Warriors. So the first book in the series is called The Alien's Ransom. And I'm going to really quickly read the blurb. So nothing in my life had prepared me for extraterrestrial motorcycle clubs. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's a good hook. Yes. Frankie, I thought alien abductions only happened in movies, but here I am on a strange planet with green soil and a gang of muscled, wicked-horned aliens on hoverbikes. All I want to do is go back to Earth, but the alpha male in charge has decided I belong to him. Now I'm on the back of his bike, speeding to an unknown destination and super freaked out about liking his biceps and serious scowl. Good thing I have some banked personal days because this might take a while. (laughs) (laughs) Jazz. 
The job is supposed to be easy. All I have to do is deliver a spaceship of living cargo to the vile Uldani, and they'll release my brother. If I fail, they'll take it out on him. Except the cargo is something I've never seen before, human females. The one called Frankie is beautiful and soft, and I've already spilled blood for her. Now how am I going to save my brother? Because this human, uh, human female is mine. Mm. The Alien's Ransom is a full-length sci-fi romance novel featuring a snarky heroine who tries to find the humor in everything, and even when kidnapped by aliens, and a possessive hero with lots of hidden weapons. Big ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds have... really good. That's That sounds awesome. I love alien bugs. Yeah. That sounds great. She's a really good writer. She's very, uh, she's like just, her wit is really relatable yeah, it and sounds fun. fun. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You will like it. So, and she writes hot as well. Yeah. So go check that out for sure. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So sign up to our newsletter and get the free no the free um book that kicks it off. Mm-hmm. All right. So I do want to talk about my birthday. So let's talk about let's it. get into it for a second. So I mentioned um, last week. I think that I said. I'm pretty sure I'm having a party and my mom spoiled it. She didn't actually. My husband was the one who told me about it beforehand because he was like, I've got a couple of friends that are coming over and I just want to tell you so you're prepared. And I was so impressed that he actually took the initiative to invite people over and had food planned and everything. And he did a theme. It was the office from no! like the show The Office. And he got he gave everybody a character name and didn't tell everybody. He drew names. And got everybody got a character, and then we they, everybody came to the house, and we all had to guess who each other was. It was part of the game. He had prizes for people who guessed right, and then he had like like he had a couple different games ready to go that we played, and like he smoked uh, like a pork butt, and it was it was so fun. Like he even had like drinks and. And he had invited LB, like, without me knowing he knew she was coming. Like, she surprised me. She FaceTimed me, and I was like, hey, what's up? And I was like, you're on my porch. And, like, I could see, like, the background was my porch. And I was like, fuck off. And, like, I run outside. (laughs) And it was just, it was the best birthday. I couldn't believe it. I had, like, I don't know if I had just mentally prepared myself for it to just be shit because it was the pandemic. But we had nine adults, you know, including us. That was it. And there were three kids. And we just had the best time. And, like, I actually got to – my parents came. And, you know, like, I got to spend time with people and talk to them. And it felt like like I actually had, like, moments where we actually got to have a really good conversation. That it wasn't just a big party with a lot of people. It was actually people I really loved that came and hung out and – it was just so great. Like, I was shocked how much fun it was. And we That's kept saying awesome. that afterwards. I was like, I just kept telling him, I was like, I just appreciate the effort you put in. I was like, but this was great. Like, I, I would do this next weekend. Like, I would do the same thing. It was so fun. What, which office character were you? Or you I got Oscar office? Martinez. <laughs> so I was so happy. I was so excited. So like my... um. My husband had, like, uh, best, uh, best cost, best male, best female impersonator however I don't remember how he worded it but it was like basically like women dress as men and then men who dress as women like one of my guy friends Ian he got um Meredith and he nailed it like it was so good he did a casual Friday and he wore like the really short dress and stuff and he was like it's casual when his like nipples were hanging out (laughs) but um but I wore like I wore um I wore slacks and I had suspenders and a dress shirt and a tie and I just went around on the night saying, actually, <laughs> actually. And so 
but it, the contest was really good because some people were hard to guess. So I, was, that is a really good idea. I know it was it. like I couldn't believe it. I was like, "What?" When he told me, he was like, "Yeah, I drew your name. You're Oscar Martinez. We're doing a contest." I was just like, "That part was so fun." That's some thought. That's some yeah. Really he thought really did. Thought. He really did. I was, or he Googled and just copied an idea, which I don't <laughs> care. Like it was worth it. So, yeah, I just think, oh, okay, she likes The Office. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's like men can't even make that much of a connection, you know? Yeah, like, okay, yeah. Okay, she likes The Office. Maybe mm-hmm. I should throw an office theme party. Like, you know, obviously had to get, you had to get that far. Uh-huh, yeah. And, but he was like, I was going to do Harry Potter, but he was like, it was just too big. He was like, I was overwhelmed. He was like, The Office was easy. Everybody had a costume. And it was true. Like, everybody has probably a button down or something, you know, like you could, or like a sweater you could wear, you know? Yeah. But, um... So my birthday was a couple of days before it was on Thursday and we went to that driving concert that I told you guys about. And so on, that was on my actual birthday and I didn't know the guy and I, I'm going to say his name's like Mark something, but he's sort of like a DJ on Facebook. I've seen his videos. He's a really like small white guy and he like does funny um, comedic uh, DJing. I don't know. He just comes up with like funny phrases and words and like makes them into songs. And let me tell you, this place was packed with people who could be my children. Like that's how much older I was than the people that were there. And they everybody was young and like really hip and everybody was like dressed really funky and cool. And I'm just like in shorts and a t-shirt, like in the back of my truck, like, all right, let's do this, you know? And it was a part like the concert started and I was just like, I don't really get this. Like maybe maybe this is just not my thing. Like, I don't know. But it was a beautiful night. The weather was great. I got to be outdoors and they had the, it was in a drive-in theater. So we were in our car. We had our truck, uh, like the back bed, we had chairs in the back of it. So we just sat in the back of the truck and there was a huge screen in front of us and we got to watch the show. That's awesome. And the guy was there live and he had like a tent with like a green screen behind him. And they projected that image onto like the big screen that you watch at a drive-in movie theater. And so it was really cool. Like the thing, I just wasn't crazy about the show. But it was a fun experience. It's hard to find a comedian that like, um, I don't know. Like there's a really small percentage of comedians that I would sit and like really have yeah. like an authentic laugh at, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, yeah. It's not, and, it's not that many. Yeah, he was just, I mean, it was really neat, but it was more of like, I, I just didn't. And my husband was like, did you not like it? And I was like, I just don't think I got it. Like, I just don't think that this, I was like, I've seen his, because even when my husband asked me, he was like, do you want to go? And I was like, no. He was like, come on, it's on your birthday. We don't really have anything else to do. And I was like, I don't really want to go. And he's like, well, I got tickets, so we're going. Wait, you know? I heard you got an ice ice cream maker, though. Oh, my God, yeah. So I actually gave him shit about it because he gave me an ice cream maker, and it was the wrong size. I was like, what is this, an ice cream maker for ants? It's like, like, it makes, like, a quart. Like, it makes, like, it's like a little bucket like this. And I was like, what is this shit? (laughs) And he was like, I don't know. I just thought you'd like it. You know? You're like the office. You, you yeah, scored I was like, on the office run with the party. Strike, strike out. Well, he gave ice me the maker. ice cream maker on my birthday. And then we went to a show I didn't really like. And, you know, it was just like, I was like, oh, that kind of sucks. And then he was we lowering had, your expectations. He, and then was, boom. That's exactly in. right. And he nailed it. Like, yeah. he fucking nailed it. Because by Sunday, I was like, you're the best husband ever. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, but I used the ice cream maker the other night, and it was really good. No, and it was just enough for the four of us. Like it was perfect. So I was oh, like, okay. Cool. I was like, all right, maybe this was okay. Maybe this is a good gift. Mel, what did you do this week? Did you read anything? Yeah, I read some stuff. You look you confused. The- you're like, yeah, but some stuff. What do you? He's like, you're <laughs> I like, like Tess is accusing like, you of committing a crime. You like grabbed your phone. You're like, yeah, I've read some stuff. What do you want? What about <laughs> it? <laughs> What's it to you? <laughs> well, actually, I was gonna tell you guys. Um, I didn't do anything this weekend because there's nothing to do. But I was sitting at home. Did I tell you about finding a spider in my? <gasps> no. So you shaved your head. Oh, Mel's bald. For I'm those setting. Who aren't watching YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> we forgot to lead with that. So, I'm really scared of spiders, but it's so much so that I hate bugs that I make my dad professionally spray because he used to be a bug man when he was younger. Professionally spray my house like two to three times a year, so I never see bugs in my house. And I live in the country, so that's yeah, pretty yeah. rare. It's sprayed all the time, but I'm sitting at my desk and I'm like in the middle of a writing mm-hmm. sprint. And I think my hair is tickling my neck. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I just oh reach back. And when I pull, it starts to come. And so I realize it's not my hair. And I just throw it, and it hits the floor. And it's, like, the size. Like, Shut of your mouth. Like oh, my God. Hair black. And here's the thing. I have realized <clears throat> I'm the person that, in the scary movies, like, stills. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's you know, how whatever, you get murdered. When something bad goes down. Because every time... I've seen a spider like five to six feet from me that was the size of a man's hand before. And I don't run. I don't do anything. I just kind of. So it took me like a minute to scream for somebody to come get this tiny spider. I can't believe you're even here today. (laughs) You're a a hero, Mel. You're a hero. hero. (laughs) But then after I thought about this, because if I see a spider, I still, even no matter how small it is, I just, I won't even kill it because I'm scared it's going to somehow attack me. And for some reason, I put together that because when I was little, my dad was a Spider-Man. He would kill bugs or whatever, a bug man, sorry. And I think in my brain, I have now connected that because my dad left our house every day to go kill bugs, that's what he did, that spiders and bugs are deadly. Like, they will kill Oh, I thought you maybe they wanted revenge. Because that's what my dad did for a living. He had to leave (laughs) my house, go to other people's house, and terminate bugs. So now I think that's why I'm so like because you are bad. You have the connotation that yeah. spiders are bad. Because I would jump out of a plane before I'd hold a spider. Right? Yeah. Spiders no. do yep. not bother me. Like <laughs> I can pick them up and put them outside, but you bring a motherfucking snake near me, we're done. <laughs> we're done. I don't know. I hate spiders. No, I'd hold a snake before I'd hold Fuck a spider. You, no. I don't want to hold either one. I could have a pet spider. I could totally do that. They're cool. They eat mosquitoes. I want more spiders in my backyard. Um, I hate spiders. I but I so I used to be like Mel, where I would just freeze and yeah. just screaming if I saw a yeah. spider or uh, like a cockroach or something. Uh-huh. But I lived in a couple of um, apartment buildings in Brooklyn through a little questionable. The last couple decades. <laughs> yeah, and I learned to react like mm-hmm. lightning. If I yeah. see a roach going across the floor, I or or a spider, or yeah, something, yeah. I grab the nearest object and I just I truck it towards mm-hmm. that thing because if it disappears, that's it. That is Burn the, the end place of my down. life. I can't. I can't. <laughs> like, I gotta sit. know it's dead. It's gotta be dead. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering because I've never seen. I don't think I've ever seen a roach in person. Oh yeah. <sighs> You're lucky. So, so I was wondering because I was like, can I even get like roaches? a water bug or like a roach? 
Like a water bug's the big one. I don't think I've yeah, ever water, seen a roach. That's what, we have water, water bugs that are like this. Like that's what but we But I get. don't think I've ever seen a roach. But how would I get roaches? A roach would have to travel to yeah, get to my house. Yeah. So how is a roach getting to my home? I don't know. I don't know. I uh, We had a hoarder living next to us in Brooklyn once. And <laughs> they got evicted. And uh, all those roaches left yep. their apartment. And that's what happened with my night. husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He lived in a duplex and the person beside him had it bad and they cleaned out his place and I they know, just scattered. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, they were I mean, everywhere for like a year. I woke up and then I, I was breastfeeding my daughter in the living mm-hmm. room in the dark mm-hmm. like a week after, a couple of days or a week mm-hmm. after they were evicted and I turned on the light. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to tell you. I screamed my I Like I, Mackenzie's probably still trauma. She's probably going to. She's, <laughs> she's gonna tell her therapist her. about it when she's older. They were everywhere. I, I could. It was the most. You know. Anyways, we're, we're so, freaking we out every lady listening. <laughs> we, we were like, we're we're gone. I was gonna tell you what I read, but I don't know if it's kind of a spoiler to some of the authors that are coming. Two authors that are coming. Next we can. Well, I was gonna read the names on Friday anyway. So okay. Oh, okay. See. Well, I was gonna say I started Heartland MC series, which a bunch of like four authors are in it writing. Uh-huh. And there's like six books out. They're all in Kindle Unlimited. And I've enjoyed them. They're safe motorcycle books if you want to check out the series. And Frankie Love and uh, Hope Ford are two of the four oh, authors. Nice. And I've enjoyed the series. I've read them all now. And I'm waiting for the next one. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, yep. safe motorcycle books. You can get behind that. I love it. I love getting behind a safe motor. That hardly ever happens. So I like when rare. it does. Mm-hmm. Are you reading anything, Tessa? Well, I told I texted you what I was reading. <laughs> I feel like I don't want to talk about it because I didn't enjoy it. So we'll just move. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, oh wait, hold on. Did you finish your um your your book? Yes. Did you finish? Did, how many words did it end up being? Ninety-seven thousand words. Fuck off! Yeah. You almost hit a hundred. Go back, add some more. <laughs> well, I will probably hit a hundred once I get the edits back from my editor. But I turned it yeah. in, and she was like, "You're." guaranteed to be the only author to turn something in early during this pandemic because wow really yeah because it wasn't due till the end of july but i couldn't stop writing it like normally i start a project again about halfway and then i pause and do something else maybe or yeah Mm -hmm. i just could not stop writing it so anyways it turned out that's awesome yeah you were you really happy with it so happy yeah are you gonna write another in the series yeah, it's a duet. So it's okay. just, it's two it's, sisters. They're like oh, um, yeah. yeah, like they're mm-hmm. they're socialites and mm-hmm. they're their their stepfather who's like this rich movie producer sends them to live in this tiny fishing town to like mm-hmm. learn some responsibility. Yeah. And then she falls for the sea she falls for a sea captain and uh it's Love just, this. Uh, oh, that sounds so great. Like he's I'm my in favorite this. hero of all time. I Holy shit. That's so a bold steady, statement. So steady. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. doesn't like doesn't doesn't let you down. Mm-hmm. Just always kind of I don't know. He's just reliable. Like you yeah, know, he just yeah. always comes back. He's always mm-hmm. comes back. He always. It's just like, anyways. I hope she likes it. it could, she could easily come back and be like, yeah, it's easy to rewrite. <laughs> and then I'll just yeah. and then we'll burn her to the ground. And then we'll just burn it down. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and play the first installment of uh, "Changing Her Luck" by Ella Maven. And when we come back, we'll tell you about some other things we've got going on. Okay. All right. Enjoy. Bye. 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 This is Changing Her Lock by Ella Maven. Read for you by Lacey Laurel and Jack Wesley. Chapter 1. Leah. 
Wrong place, wrong time, story of my life. At least, that was all I could think about when the massive blue alien with corkscrew horns and biceps the size of my torso yanked me against his chest and shoved his thick forearm against the fragile skin of my throat. I winced but held still, because unlike that other human woman who had been on the spaceship with me, I wasn't trying to cause trouble. Sure, I was scared. My hands shook and my knees trembled. But in the grand scheme of things, this wasn't the worst thing to happen to me the last few days. Hell, the last year. I was unlucky as fuck. Let her go, Drexonian, said one of the spiky-eared caped assholes who seemed slightly nervous about my predicament. If I read this situation right, he only cared because he just handed over a massive amount of coin for me to the one-eyed dolphin aliens who'd been on the spaceship where I'd woken up groggy and restrained. The last thing I remembered before that was falling asleep on my best friend's bed after too much wine. But now, the one-eyed aliens were gone. After depositing me on this hot-as-Hades planet, they'd jetted right out of here as fast as they could. The arm around my throat tightened, and something sharp pricked my skin. What the hell? Well... I could add it to the split in my lip from the crack the cape leader had taken at me earlier because I'd been walking too slow. I prodded the cut with my tongue, tasting coppery blood. No. The massive beast holding me said with a growl. I could feel his hot, hard body at my back, tensed for a showdown, with me in the middle. Fuck my life. I know you won't risk causing her harm. Are you that good of a shot, Plygen? That was when I realized he was moving us, shuffling us backward. I didn't have much of a choice other than to move with him. We stood on what looked like a docking station. Different shapes and sizes of spaceships were anchored to a metal bridge. To my right, steps descended to the planet floor, which was packed with red dirt. That was as much as I could view, seeing as I couldn't turn my head. In front of me stood about a dozen caped aliens, the one who'd spoke at the helm of the group. They all wore uniforms while the one at my back, when I'd gotten a very brief glimpse at him, only wore pants, no shoes. His massive blue feet almost human-like except for the clawed toenails caged me in. The tip of his thick tail curled around my ankle possessively. Drexon, my name is Tron, he snarled. The cape leader straightened, and he drew a gun-looking thing from his belt. Punishment for leaving your post is death, but the consequence of leaving with stolen property is torture. Which one will it be, Tron? Tron made an odd sound at my back, a vibrating rumble, and it took me a minute to realize he was laughing. You'll have to catch me first. I squealed when he tossed me over his shoulder and sprinted at what felt like the speed of light down the bridge. His feet barely made a sound as he sped away from the caped aliens who were shooting at us. Shooting at us! Beams of light flashed past us and I screamed while covering my head. As if that would do anything. I was confident if one of those laser shots hit their mark, I'd be toast. Dead toast. Head separated from body, toast. I couldn't see where we were going, only the blue muscles of Tron's broad back. His skin was shifting colors, patches of darker blue rippling all over like a color-changing octopus. I shrieked as he banked a hard left and dove inside a doorway. 
He dropped me on a cold, hard floor before slamming his hand on a button. Shouts echoed down the bridge toward us, and more shouts rang out pinging off metal before the door slid shut. He didn't look at me, only ran past where I lay crumpled on the floor to the front of the structure. I glanced around at the dome ceiling and metal-plated floor before taking in the large cockpit with a panel full of lights and levers and buttons. We were in an aircraft, or probably spacecraft. Above the control panel was a massive curved window looking out over the desolate-as-hell red planet with an orange skyline. Tron fiddled with the control panel, flicking switches and murmuring to himself. I eyed the door. Should I leave? Which aliens were the good guys and which were the bad guys? The cape jerks had paid for me like cattle, but this one had taken me hostage and threatened my life. Well... He hadn't verbally threatened me, but wasn't the physical act of nearly suffocating me considered a viable threat? I waited too long to come to a decision because one was made for me. Tron stomped toward me and plucked me off the ground like I was a doll. Wait, what's going on? Where are we going? I flailed, really not liking all this manhandling. Away from this Fatos forsaken planet. He growled in my face, black veins glistening. Oh, God. Fangs. I went limp and stared at him. His nostrils flared, accentuating the golden studs pierced through each one. His long, thick tail swept the ground behind him, the tip twitching angrily. Fleck, he muttered before dropping me onto a seat at the cockpit. Strands of his long, dark hair, which had escaped the tie at his nape, tickled my face. Straps fastened on their own, holding me in place. He took a seat next to me and strapped himself in. After flicking a few switches, the aircraft began moving. He kept his gaze on a row of monitors, and I could see him deftly maneuvering the aircraft out of the dock. We rose in the air, and I stared out through the front windshield, wondering if I'd just traded one prison for another. A deafening crash roared in my ears just as the ship rocked violently to the right. My scream got cut off by the straps choking me. Alarms blared, and on my next inhale, I smelled smoke. Fluckers, Tron muttered, and he seemed more annoyed than scared. This did not calm me. I felt that he should take the burning smell and ear-splitting shrieks of the alarm system way more seriously than a mumbled curse. What was that? I asked. Are we going down? He shot me an intense look that effectively iced me in place. That took skill to convey... Shut up and be calm, you stupid human, by the set of his jaw. He pressed some buttons on the console and a monitor blinked out before readjusting to a different camera feed. On the screen, I saw a row of those caped aliens holding massive weapons. One fired and a streak of yellow light sailed past us. A muscle in his jaw ticked. Hold on, he muttered. What? He yanked a lever, and we shot forward so fast, I nearly swallowed my tongue. I closed my eyes as I fought to breathe despite the crushing pressure. My lungs didn't want to inflate, and my heart pounded in my ears as the roar of the jets crescendoed to a screaming pitch. This was worse than that roller coaster ride I'd taken at the beach with my niece. We'd gone from zero to 72 miles per hour in two seconds. It'd been fun until the person in front of me threw up and I'd unfortunately been caught in the spray zone. See? Unlucky. 
I hadn't planned to sleep at my friend's house those few nights ago when I'd been taken. But the wine slushies she'd made had been so strong that I didn't feel like calling an Uber. She'd given me her bed and she'd slept on the couch. If I'd come home, would she have been taken instead of me? When I'd woken up on the spaceship, I'd been with five other women. We'd traveled to a beautifully lush planet and boarded. Except the one woman wasn't having it. She pitched a fit, understandably, and bumped into me, causing me to slam into one of those dolphin-eyed aliens who had then been impaled on his own spear. Instead of punishing her, they'd proclaimed me the troublemaker and thrown me back on the spaceship to bring me to the Red Desert Planet. Wrong place, wrong time. Story of my life. So of course I'd then be taken hostage by a massive alien with fangs, claws, and a growly voice, only to die on some rocket ship in zero-G deep space. For the next few seconds, minutes, hours, I focused on breathing because that seemed like the only thing I was capable of other than stewing in fear. I closed my eyes, unable to look out the front windshield anymore at the rapidly approaching darkness. My head swam with a mix of dizziness and vertigo, while my stomach lurched with nausea. I didn't open them until I felt a tugging on my straps, tightness eased from my chest. I could breathe. I didn't feel like we were traveling at the speed of light anymore. I blinked my eyes open, only to find a pair of deep-set black irises inches from my face. The shock of seeing his blue face, dark eyes, and fanged teeth up close forced hysteria to rise up my throat and leave my mouth in an inelegant scream. His eyes went wide at the sound and he jerked back while I flailed only to topple out of the chair and land hard on the metal floor on all fours. Ouch, shit, I swore before scrambling to my feet on a wince. Once standing, I rolled around to face Tron. If there was anywhere to run, I would have but the only door was the one we'd entered. The walls held a few cabinet-looking things and small panels, but other than that, we were in a one-room spaceship. Tron swallowed, his thick neck working. He held out a five-fingered hand tipped with black claws. Female, I won't hurt you. My spine snapped straight. I might have a history of being in the wrong place at the wrong time, but I was no pushover. You won't hurt me? You expect me to believe that? I wrapped my hand around my throat where I could still feel the prick of whatever sharp object he'd held there. I think we need to rewind. You held me hostage. He cocked his head and frowned. His prominent brow, which was ridged and bumped, seemed to darken. I don't understand all your words, but I would have never hurt you. The Plykins didn't know that, though. I saw an opportunity to save us both, and I took it. I remained wary. You held a knife at my throat. Not a knife. He flexed his forearms and spikes. Actual black daggers emerged from slits in his scales. And not just his forearms. In the reflection of the glass panel behind him, I saw the spikes ran from the top of his head like a mohawk all down his back to the base of his tail, Fear streaked through me like a gasoline-fed fire. I stumbled away from him like a moron until I stupidly remembered there was nowhere to go. He immediately put away his weapon things. 
His teeth ground together before he spoke again. I won't harm you. Yeah, you said that already. I huffed at him, unable to remain meek and mild, even though that was probably best for my survival. But I'm sorry that I don't fully believe you. You could dice me into pieces like a hibachi chef. I gasped. Are you going to make me into an onion volcano? He blinked at me in what looked like disbelief before shaking his head. I will prove to you I will not hurt you. I eyed him. How closely was his race related to human males? Because in my experience, lying was second nature to them. How so? Now, he just looked annoyed. By not hurting you. That would be great, but I wasn't convinced. I crossed my arms over my chest and stayed silent. He gestured around him. A female, if I intended you harm, I could have done it ten times over. The ease with which you could slice me like tuna sashimi is not lost on me. But thanks for the reminder. My adrenaline was running low. The fear that had spiked through me had dulled, leaving me drained. I do not understand your words, he growled. Well, I don't understand how the hell I went to bed on Earth after way too much Merlot and woke up on a spaceship before being sold to a bunch of caped aliens on a red planet. Shit. Tears brewed in my eyes like boiling water pricking at my eyelids. I angrily swiped a hand at my face. I don't know where I am. I don't know you. A sob burst forth. I just want to go home. And then the flood began. Rivers of tears, heaving, hiccuping wails. I didn't even see Tron through my blurred vision until he was right in front of me, gathering me into those massive arms of his, now 100% less deadly. I didn't even fight him. What was the point? He could kill me if he wanted. So I clung to him instead, relishing the warmth of this body. Moments passed before I felt a steady vibration coming from his chest. A steady chant left his lips, a ch-ch-ch sound, almost like a purr. It lulled me, easing the sobs and tears until I was only sniffling. It was then I realized he was also petting me. One great big blue hand ran down my hair, tangling in my honey-colored curls. What is your name, female? He asked. Leah, I said. He tried the name on his tongue, speaking it a few times in a low, almost whispered tone, before he grew confident enough to say, Leah. I nodded. How can you understand me? And how can I understand you? He tapped behind his ear. Translator implant, you have one too. My fingers reached behind my ear to the lump there. The dolphin aliens had placed it there right before they dropped me off on the red planet. Oh, but I don't know all your terms, like hibachi. I couldn't help it. I laughed. Hibachi, it's a type of food or a way to cook food, something like that. He nodded, but he didn't seem to understand fully. I shifted, realizing I was sitting on his lap across his thick thighs. His tail swayed lazily on the ground behind us. Brushing my fingers over his forearms, I looked in his eyes and said, did you mean what you said? 
you won't hurt me. His body went rigid and his eyes swirled, purple leaking into the blackness as the darker blue patches on his skin rippled. His nostrils flared again. I would die before I hurt you and I'll do everything I can to protect you. To do that, I need to focus on piloting this craft. Where are we going? He helped me to my feet. Not sure yet, but first I need to repair the damage their solar blast caused. Right. I'm sure this thingy will, uh, fly better if it's fixed. He gave me a look. Yes, but most of all, we need to be prepared for the next attack. I froze. Excuse me? His eyes narrowed. The Plykins will be back for you, and we need to be ready. They'll come after us? I squeaked. Yes. If it was just me, they might let me go. But you, they will send a fleet for you. A fleet? His chin tilted up and his chest inflated. But we will not be caught. I wanted to believe him. I really did. But what he didn't know was that he had bad luck Leah on board. I would doom us both. Chapter 2 Tron The human female was a complication I didn't need, but I only had myself to blame for her presence. I glanced over her as the ship worked through its diagnostics report to determine how much damage we'd received. Leah sat next to me at the front of the ship, wearing nothing but a thin dress. Her feet were bare, and her yellow hair hung around her shoulders in a shiny sheet. She barely came up to my chest when standing, but yet she was lush, with large breasts, thighs, and hips. I ached to see the rest of her creamy skin and shifted my weight at the unfamiliar feel of my thickened cock pressing against the front of my pants. I cursed myself and looked away. What had I been thinking bringing her with me? I was no longer the respected Tron Warrings, captain of one of the largest defense crafts in the Drixonian space fleet. I barely had a name anymore, but when spoken to, I was nothing but a filthy Drixonian named Tron who mined the dry Vixlissen caves for the Plykins, along with hundreds of unlucky species from around the galaxy. Once upon a time, females meant everything to me and my race. Our creed we lived by was, she is all. Drixonians were legendary in battle and defended our planet of Corin successfully, until a virus swept through our ranks, killing all our females and most of our adult and elderly males. I'd been one of the few elder males to survive but the damage had been done. We fell apart without our female leaders who ran our planet while the males protected it. I hadn't remembered what it was like to have a purpose I believed in, until I saw her. Until that flecking plykin named Jupolk struck her, and I'd felt the echo of the pain in my own face, as if I'd been the one to receive his correction. After that, my single focus had been getting off the planet with her, the warrior in me who had laid dormant for tens of cycles roared to life with a vengeance. I'd given up on the hope of escape long ago, and it had only been because of the change in routine at the arrival of the human that I'd had the chance to climb my way out of the mines to the docking station. Most guards hadn't been at their usual posts. Those who were had been distracted. 
And now I was in a small craft with a gorgeous human female who stirred my blood. My cock, which hadn't ever shown signs of life, filled to hardness in her presence, and my skin tightened with an itching heat. I wanted her, but I had to keep my hands to myself. I might be nothing but a filthy miner, but deep inside, I was still a Drixonian who would never touch a female unless she wanted it. And this wasn't a Drixonian female. This was a human one. They were a fragile species, so I had to be her protector and navigator. She'd rely on me, and I'd be flecked if I let her down. I'd already installed a cloaking shield on the craft so the Plykins didn't detect our course. I couldn't be sure how long it would hold, though, and I had a suspicion the Plykins could still hack the system to determine our location. All I could do was hope we had enough of a head start to beat them. So, um... She cleared her throat and her cheeks flooded with color. Where are we going? That was the question that had been pounding in the back of my head. After our civilization on planet Corin crumbled, the old Doni on our sister planet Torin offered us work. For many cycles we were their law enforcement, bodyguards, and main line of defense. But when I was bloody and healing from a battle, they'd taken me from my bed and sold me to the Plykins. I'd seen a few other dricks in the mines, so I knew I wasn't the only one. How many more did they steal? The betrayal cut me deep. I'd heard rumors of a Drixonian uprising against the Oldani, but I didn't know the outcome. I had spent many nights dreaming of being reunited with members of my own race on Torin. I yearned to see my males, the ones I served and fought next to. But with Leah at my side, I wasn't sure that was the right choice. I didn't know what life was like on Torin anymore. I didn't trust the old Donnie not to hurt her. Not returning home felt like I was abandoning my race, even though I'd been abandoned long ago. If they had won the uprising, why had no one rescued us? Tron? Her soft voice cut into my thoughts. It's not like I know much about where we are. I'm just wondering, can I get back to Earth? I wanted to stab myself in the eye. Of course she wanted to get back to Earth, when I'd been doing nothing but dreaming about keeping her. But with her by my side to protect, I was feeling more and more like myself. Still, I didn't relish telling her the truth. I'm sorry, I said. Earth is two galaxies away. Only the Ragul have the capability of traveling that far. One-eyed, floppy-limbed creatures? I nodded. Her eyes glistened and she sniffled, her small nose red at the tip, before turning away to stare sightlessly out the front glass. So that's a no, then. If I had the ability, I'd return you to your home. I meant it, too. She held my gaze for a long time, her pretty blue eyes wandering my face before she sighed heavily. I believe you, she said. I don't know why, but I believe you. I wouldn't lie to you. I know, but just because people say they don't lie doesn't mean they don't lie. I frowned. Do humans lie about not lying? This made her bark out a laugh tinged with bitterness. <laughs> uh, yeah. I didn't like this. Well, what I say is what I mean. A smile crept over her lips, transferring her face from beautiful to breathtaking. I'm learning that about you. 
she shook her head and fiddled with her hands in her lap. This is crazy. I have been nothing but terrified since I woke up on a spaceship, but for the first time since then, with you, I'm starting to feel a little bit safe. She waved a hand. After we got over the whole skin blades thing. My machettes, I said. What? They are called machettes. She turned in her chair so her knees bent over the armrest. With her elbows propped on her thighs, she rested her head in her hands. Can you tell me more about you? I hadn't talked about myself in so long. Flack, I'd barely talked at all. My life had been the same every rotation. Wake up, dig in the mines, eat one meal, and sleep before repeating it all over again. My voice felt raspy from disuse. But I started from the beginning. How our world was torn apart by an airborne enemy we couldn't kill. How the young males left along with a few elders like myself had been offered sanctuary by the Oldani. As I talked, her face slowly drained of color and her eyes rounded. When I ended with how I'd been working in the mines for tens of cycles, her mouth dropped open. What? she gasped. What do you mean by cycles and rotations? Rotations are from sunup to the next sunup, I said. Okay, so we call those days. Cycles are a full rotation around the sun. A year? She smacked her hand on the back of her chair. You've been here decades. I frowned. What is a decade? Ten, uh, cycles. Then yes. How old are you? She squeaked. Drexonians live 500 sun cycles. I'm 300 cycles old. Her head jerked back. That's, <laughs> wow, humans live a fifth of that. In the mines, my lifespan would have been drastically reduced. I would have lived another 50 if I was lucky. Why would the Plykins do that to you? They had long tried to conquer us. They were never successful. They see owning a Drixonian now as a status symbol. She wrinkled her nose. Disgusting. Tell me about your life on Earth. Her expression immediately fell and her shoulders slumped. Well, I'd just been laid off from my job and found out my boyfriend had been stealing money from me for a solid year. At the time, I'd wallowed in wine with my best friend, thinking life couldn't get worse. Then I woke up on a spaceship and was sold to a bunch of caped aliens. Ha! She cackled wryly. <laughs> oh, how wrong I'd been. You didn't deserve to be taken from your home. She shrugged. Yeah, well, it happened. What would the Plykins plan to do with me? I swallowed. I'd only heard rumors. Talking was forbidden in the mines, but sometimes I'd overheard guards conversing. There was another Plykin stronghold on Vixlisten, where different species were forced to fight, and females were given as rewards. I shook my head. I can't be sure. She eyed me. But you have a guess. I swallowed and nodded. That's all you're going to give me? You don't need to know, because it'll never happen. She pulled the corner of her lower lip between her blunt teeth and bit down. But what if they catch us and take me back? Her fear spread through the air like a sickly smoke. I always prided myself on my control, but at this moment, pure anger surged through me, forcing my machettes to lift and my claws to elongate. 
My muscles bulged with the need to tear and hurt and maim. My female was afraid, and the warrior in me couldn't let that happen. I couldn't imagine what I looked like, but it had to have been shocking, because Leah reared back in her chair, bulging eyes on me, every line of her body tense. A light flashed to my left just as the control panel sent out a shrill signal to let me know the diagnostic test was finished. Conversation time was over. I had to repair the craft. Forcing my machettes back under my scales, I sucked in a sharp breath. They will not catch us, and they will not take you back. Nothing threatens my female. Chapter 3 Leah My female. He'd called me that. As he sat hunched over a monitor, lips pressed into a thin line while he scanned lines and lines of symbols. I replayed our conversation in my head. I didn't recall agreeing to be his at any point. Had I? And the thing that concerned me the most was that when he'd called me his female, I hadn't been terrified. In fact, my face had grown hot and I'd found myself looking a little too long at his dark eyes and strong jaw and massive biceps. I couldn't help it. He only wore a pair of pants. All that blue scaly skin was just there, on display for my viewing. And what a view it was. He was sculpted, which was probably from all the shit work he'd been doing for decades. But now, he'd promised all that muscle and brawn to me. Well, in defense of my person against those caped assholes who wanted to do unspeakable things to me. So unspeakable that Tron hadn't wanted to, well, speak of them. I couldn't stop staring at his massive, capable hands. When he wasn't angry, his claws retracted completely, which made me wonder what those fingers were capable of. For fuck's sake, Leah, really? But Bryce the asshole hadn't touched anything of mine other than my money for months. I hadn't really cared because I'd never really had a high sex drive, but around Tron? My skin felt too tight and I couldn't stop fidgeting. Had he scented the air with some crazy pheromones? What was wrong with me? But I didn't feel high or drunk or not in control of my faculties. I just felt a pull toward Tron, an unmistakable desire to curl up in his lap and stroke his hard muscles and then stroke other hard stuff. Shit, there I go again. Before he studied whatever report he was on, he'd given me some food he'd found in a small stash on board. The meal bar, called Teen, was kind of tasteless, but I would have gnawed on cardboard I was so hungry. He also gave me a clear liquid that looked like water, but had a slight vinegary flavor. He called it quah, and it did soothe my parched throat. I polished off the Teen bar as well as the water, feeling a little bit better. I couldn't remember the last time I ate. I didn't dwell too much on the knowledge I couldn't get back to Earth. I would have to deal with that another time. So far, this was kind of like a really bad vacation. 
a vacation with an alien with a pierced tongue. When he ate, I caught a glimpse of three metal balls in a row in a tongue. But what had made me nearly choke on the quaw was when he'd unfurled that tongue to lick a crumb of food off his chin. He had the longest tongue I'd ever seen. A million questions ran through my head. Why was his tongue pierced? Who did it? Abruptly, Tron pulled back from the control panel and stood up. I stood up too because I couldn't crane my neck back that far to see his face when I was sitting down. Even standing gave me a muscle spasm when I peered up at him, the tall bastard. What was he, like six foot seven? I was five five. Then, all I could think about was that meme, where the hamster bites into a giant banana. I was going to hell. According to the report, the panel covering the landing gear is damaged. Without it working properly, we can't land. That sounded not good. And by we can't land, you mean? I mean, we'd hurtle to the ground at the speed of light and disintegrate on impact. I bit my lips between my teeth. Worse than not good. And I'm assuming this thing needs some sort of fuel, so we can't just orbit space forever. He gave me a look. That is a correct assumption. He walked past me and swung open a panel along the far wall. No need to worry about that. I can repair the landing gear. You can? He removed several instruments and strapped them around his waist with a utility belt. I was the captain of my own ship once. This one is a different model, but has the same basic construct. He hooked a flexible metal cable over his shoulder and turned to me. He was just so capable with his tool belt and fierce scowl and bulging muscles. It felt refreshing to be in his presence. No games, no bullshit, just the truth and confidence. Is it dangerous? The repair, of course. Tron! I gripped fistfuls of my hair and tugged. Don't tell me that! He frowned. You asked and I answered. Yeah, but I wanted you to say something like, it's easy and there is no concern. But there is a concern. Okay, never mind. You're right, you told me the truth. I patted his chest but couldn't seem to pull my hand away. So I switched to petting. Thank you for telling me the truth, but I'm worried. I won't let you down. The landing gear is vital. I know that, but I'm worried about you. I hadn't even realized that was my main concern until the words were out. Horrible visions of him injured and bleeding flashed in my head. And after all he'd been through, he deserved more than to die on a spaceship in the middle of nowhere with only a useless human hovering over him. He placed his hand over mine, stilling my petting motion. His lips turned up at the corners and his eyes crinkled. The action transformed his face from that of a weathered scowl to a warm, kind smile. His black eyes swirled, lightening to a pretty violet that captivated me. You're worried about me, little Leah. Oh, for fuck's sake. Was he smirking? Of course I'm worried about your big blue ass. I grumped, refusing to look at him. I don't know how to fly this thing. He stepped closer, close enough that I could feel his heat through the thin fabric of my dress. 
My nipples pebbled, and I sucked in a breath as my senses flooded with his nearness. When he spoke again, I expected a taunt, and instead, I got a soft question. Is my flying ability the only reason you're worried about me? I blinked up into his eyes, into the vibrant purple of his irises. A raw vulnerability shone through, a hopefulness that hammered at my heart until it cracked. I like you, I heard myself answer. I think you're good and you deserve a happy future. My fingers twitched beneath his. And selfishly, you make me feel safe. His grin widened, cracking into a full-blown smile so beautiful that I forgot all about the fangs and scales and bone blades. It's been a long, long time since I felt anything. Around you, I finally feel a purpose again. I'm honored that I make you feel safe. He swayed toward me barely an inch, and I felt myself roll forward and rise up on my toes. His lips... His lips were there and plush and so full. My skin flushed with heat. With a muttered curse, he stepped back, releasing my hand so fast that I nearly toppled over at the change. I braced myself on the chair beside me, sour confusion tangled with the warm arousal in my belly. Tron? A shudder ran through his big body as he closed his eyes briefly. The smile vanished from his face, and when he opened his eyes... They were once again a solid black. I'm sorry, he said. Sorry for what? My throat was too dry and all I could do was make a squeaking sound. I must get the repair done before it's damaged further. Right, I managed to say. He swallowed, his thick throat working, before he gave me a sharp nod. Stay here where it's safe. I'll be back when the job is complete. Okay, I said. He turned away from me and opened up a hatch in the floor. He had one foot down the ladder when I found my voice again. Be safe, Tron. Come back to me unharmed. He glanced up, our gazes locking in place. I promise, Leah, he said. I was going to hold him to that promise. Hey, lady listeners, we're back. Hi. Okay, so a bunch of stuff. Ella Maven is giving away um, something cool on our uh, giving away something cool. So go to readmeromance.com. Make sure to uh, enter the giveaway and also join our newsletter so you can get the first book in her um, Drixonian Warriors series for free in our newsletter. Yeah, I think these are all on Kindle Unlimited. They start That's off really with cool. the She's Aliens doing a free Ransom. Book. Yeah. They are. So the Aliens Ransom, the Aliens Escape, they're all going to be, they're all amazing. Uh, also today out in the world is This Time Tomorrow. My book is out today. <gasps> Yay! The follow-up to Reborn yesterday. So yes. if you'd love that one, go get the next one. Yeah. It's a, it's could be read as a standalone. It's just a mm-hmm. hot paranormal. It's it's really it's kind of angsty. It's very it's totally safe. Oh, I'm um, excited to read it. Like I I love her. She was such a cool character. I think you'll like her even more in this one. You know, okay. like she's she's definitely got like a lot she's going brassy. on. She's brassy. I like it. Uh, so it's a vampire slayer, and she's been basically tasked with killing this man that she fell in love with when she was a human. Mm-hmm. When he was a human, sorry. And mm-hmm. he's now a vampire. So, um, you yeah, go check it out. And um, if I can, I want to plug, there's an au- 
No, we can't. <laughs> we took a vote before. Wait for a minute. This is the most important thing to me. There's an auction kicking off today called Love Over Hate. I organized it with two other authors, Sky Warren and Theodora Taylor, both of whom have been on this podcast. And we're auctioning off um, autographed books, uh, gift packs. We have cars. a stack. Yeah. We have a bunch Riley of books. has a stack of yep. books in there. I do. Uh, the um, Camp Hardwood series is in there. We have a sign book. I know the readers are going to want to get a hold of that. So There's actually like over 100 authors involved, 125 items, I believe. Wow. And all the money is going to go towards two organizations. One's called Fair Fight, and it's, it's an organization that fights voter suppression, mostly in the South, but all over the country. And it's run by Stacey Abrams, who is a politician, but also a romance author. Mm-hmm. And the other organization is Color of Change, and they're battling systemic racism. And that's important, very important. And mm-hmm. so we're trying to raise as much money as we can to to um, help support the voices that are out speaking right now, mm-hmm. the ones that should have been listened to all along. Mm-hmm. And uh, so go to um, probably any either one of our social media accounts, Alexa Riley or Tessa Bailey, and we'll we'll have posted it by today. Everything will be posted on Monday. All the links, all the stuff to follow. I think this is awesome that you and Scott and Theodora Taylor got together and and did this. And I just think it's a really amazing cause. And if you feel like you know, you're spinning your wheels and you're not sure how to help. And this is an amazing way to do it. I mean, what's, what could possibly be better than supporting romance authors and also supporting these incredible causes and, you know, just being able to share this, I think is really great. So awesome. All right, Leah, tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye. 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 Read me romance, read, read me romance, read me romance, read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book, that's fine, or you could sit back, relax, and unwind and read.